Chapter Two of Anne of Geierstein, Volume Two, by Sir Walter Scott. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Dion Gines, Salt Lake City, Utah. Macbeth, how now, ye secret, black, and midnight hags, what is it ye do? Witches, a deed without a name. Macbeth, we have said in the conclusion of the last chapter that after a day of unwonted fatigue and extraordinary excitation the merchant philipson naturally expected to forget so many agitating passages in that deep and profound repose which is at once the consequence and the cure of extreme exhaustion but he was no sooner laid on his lowly pallet than he felt that the bodily machine overlaboured by so much exercise was little disposed to the charms of sleep the mind had been too much excited the body was far too feverish to suffer him to partake of needful rest his anxiety about the safety of his son his conjectures concerning the issue of his mission to the duke of burgundy and a thousand other thoughts which recalled past events or speculated on those which were to come rushed upon his mind like the waves of a perturbed sea and prevented all tendency to repose he had been in bed about an hour and sleep had not yet approached his couch when he felt that the pallet on which he lay was sinking below him and that he was in the act of descending along with it he knew not whither the sound of ropes and pulleys was also indistinctly heard though every caution had been taken to make them run smooth and the traveller by feeling around him became sensible that he and the bed on which he lay had been spread upon a large trap-door which was capable of being let down into the vaults or apartments beneath philipson felt fear in circumstances so well qualified to produce it for how could he hope a safe termination to an adventure which had begun so strangely but his apprehensions were those of a brave ready-witted man who even in the extremity of danger which appeared to surround him preserved his presence of mind his descent seemed to be cautiously managed and he held himself in readiness to start to his feet and defend himself as soon as he should be once more upon firm ground although somewhat advanced in years he was a man of great personal vigour and activity and unless taken at advantage which no doubt was at present much to be apprehended he was likely to make a formidable defence his plan of resistance however had been anticipated he no sooner reached the bottom of the vault down to which he was lowered than two men 
who had been waiting there till the operation was completed laid hands on him from either side and forcibly preventing him from starting up as he intended cast a rope over his arms and made him a prisoner as effectually as when he was in the dungeons of la ferrette he was obliged therefore to remain passive and unresisting and await the termination of this formidable adventure secured as he was he could only turn his head from one side to the other and it was with joy that he at length saw lights twinkle but they appeared at a great distance from him from the irregular manner in which these scattered lights advanced sometimes keeping a straight line sometimes mixing and crossing each other it might be inferred that the subterranean vault in which they appeared was of very considerable extent their number also increased and as they collected more together philipson could perceive that the lights proceeded from many torches borne by men muffled in black cloaks like mourners at a funeral or the black friars of st francis's order wearing their cowls drawn over their heads so as to conceal their features they appeared anxiously engaged in measuring off a portion of the apartment and while occupied in that employment they sang in the ancient german language rhymes more rude than philipson could well understand but which may be imitated thus measurers of good and evil bring the square the line the level rear the altar dig the trench blood both stone and ditch shall drench cubit six from end to end must the fatal bench extend cubit six from side to side judge and culprit must divide on the east the court assembles on the west the accused trembles answer brethren all and one is the ritual rightly done a deep chorus seemed to reply to the question many voices joined in it as well of persons already in the subterranean vault as of others who as yet remained without in various galleries and passages which communicated with it and whom philipson now presumed to be very numerous the answer chanted ran as follows on life and soul on blood and bone one for all and all for one we warrant this is rightly done the original strain was then renewed in the same manner as before how wears the night doth morning shine in early radiance on the rhyme what music floats upon his tide do birds the tardy morning chide brethren look out from hill and height and answer true how wears the night the answer was returned though less loud than at first and it seemed that those by whom the reply was given were at a much greater distance than before yet the words were distinctly heard the night is old on rhine's broad breast glance drowsy stars which long to rest 
no beams are twinkling in the east there is a voice upon the flood the stern still call of blood for blood tis time we listen thee behest the chorus replied with many additional voices up then up when day's at rest tis time that such as we are watchers rise to judgment brethren rise vengeance knows not sleepy eyes he and night are matchers the nature of the verses soon led philipson to comprehend that he was in presence of the initiated or the wise men names which were applied to the celebrated judges of the secret tribunal which continued at that period to subsist in swabia franconia and other districts of the east of germany which was called perhaps from the frightful and frequent occurrence of executions by command of those invisible judges the red land philipson had often heard that the seat of a free count or chief of the secret tribunal was secretly instituted even on the left bank of the rhine and that it maintained itself in alsace with the usual tenacity of those secret societies though duke charles of burgundy had expressed a desire to discover and discourage its influence so far as was possible without exposing himself to danger from the thousands of poniards which that mysterious tribunal could put in activity against his own life an awful means of defence which for a long time rendered it extremely hazardous for the sovereigns of germany and even the emperors themselves to put down by authority those singular associations so soon as this explanation flashed on the mind of philipson it gave some clue to the character and condition of the black priest of st paul's supposing him to be a president or chief official of the secret association there was little wonder that he should confide so much in the inviolability of his terrible office as to propose vindicating the execution of de hagenbach that his presence should surprise bartholomew whom he had power to have judged and executed upon the spot and that his mere appearance at supper on the preceding evening should have appalled the guests for though everything about the institution its proceedings and its officers was preserved in as much obscurity as is now practised in freemasonry yet the secret was not so absolutely well kept as to prevent certain individuals from being guessed or hinted at as men initiated and entrusted with high authority by the vame gericht or tribunal of the bounds when such suspicion attached to an individual his secret power and supposed acquaintance with all guilt however secret which was committed within the society in which he was conversant made him at once the dread and hated of every one who looked on him and he enjoyed a high degree of personal respect on the same terms on which it would have been yielded 
to a powerful enchanter or a dreaded genie in conversing with such a person it was especially necessary to abstain from all questions alluding however remotely to the office which he bore in the secret tribunal and indeed to testify the least curiosity upon a subject so solemn and mysterious was sure to occasion some misfortune to the inquisitive person all these things rushed at once upon the mind of the englishman who felt that he had fallen into the hands of an unsparing tribunal whose proceedings were so much dreaded by those who resided within the circle of their power that the friendless stranger must stand a poor chance of receiving justice at their hands whatever might be his consciousness of innocence while philipson made this melancholy reflection he resolved at the same time not to forsake his own cause but defend himself as he best might conscious as he was that these terrible and irresponsible judges were nevertheless governed by certain rules of right and wrong which formed a check on the rigours of their extraordinary code he lay therefore devising the best means of obviating the present danger while the persons whom he beheld glimmered before him less like distinct and individual forms than like the phantoms of a fever or the phantasmagoria with which a disease of the optic nerves has been known to people a sick man's chamber at length they assembled in the centre of the apartment where they had first appeared and seemed to arrange themselves into form and order a great number of black torches were successively lighted and the scene became distinctly visible in the centre of the hall philipson could now perceive one of the altars which are sometimes to be found in ancient subterranean chapels but we must pause in order briefly to describe not the appearance only but the nature and constitution of this terrible court behind the altar which seemed to be the central point on which all eyes were bent there were placed in parallel lines two benches covered with black cloth each was occupied by a number of persons who seemed assembled as judges but those who held the foremost bench were fewer and appeared of a rank superior to those who crowded the seat most remote from the altar the first seemed to be all men of some consequence priests high in their order knights or noblemen and notwithstanding an appearance of equality which seemed to pervade this singular institution much more weight was laid upon their opinion or testimonies they were called free knights counts or whatever title they might bear while the inferior class of the judges were only termed free and worthy burghers for it must be observed that the vemic institution which was the name that it commonly bore although its power consisted in a wide system of espionage and the tyrannical application of force which acted upon it 
was yet so rude were the ideas of enforcing public law accounted to confer a privilege on the country in which it was received and only free men were allowed to experience its influence serfs and peasants could not have a place among the free judges their assessors or assistants for there was in this assembly even some idea of trying the culprit by his peers besides the dignitaries who occupied the benches there were others who stood around and seemed to guard the various entrances to the hall of judgment or standing behind the seats on which their superiors were ranged looked prepared to execute their commands these were members of the order though not of the highest ranks chopin is the name generally assigned to them signifying officials or sergeants of the vemic court whose doom they stood sworn to enforce through good report and bad report against their own nearest and most beloved as well as in cases of ordinary malefactors the chopin or scabini as they were termed in latin had another horrible duty to perform that namely of denouncing to the tribunal whatever came under their observation that might be construed as an offence falling under its cognizance or in their language a crime against the vem this duty extended to the judges as well as to the assistants and was to be discharged without respect of persons so that to know and wilfully conceal the guilt of a mother or brother inferred on the part of the unfaithful official the same penalty as if he himself had committed the crime which his silence screened from punishment such an institution could only prevail at a time when ordinary means of justice were excluded by the hand of power and when in order to bring the guilty to punishment it required all the influence and authority of such a confederacy in no other country than one exposed to every species of feudal tyranny and deprived of every ordinary mode of obtaining justice or redress could such a system have taken root and flourished we must now return to the brave englishman who though feeling all the danger he encountered from so tremendous a tribunal maintained nevertheless a dignified and unaltered composure the meeting being assembled a coil of ropes and a naked sword the well-known signals and emblems of vemic authority were deposited on the altar where the sword from its being usually straight with a cross handle was considered as representing the blessed emblem of christian redemption and the cord as indicating the right of criminal jurisdiction and capital punishment then the president of the meeting who occupied the centre seat on the foremost bench arose and laying his hands on the symbols pronounced aloud the formula expressive of the duty of the tribunal which all the inferior judges and assistants repeated after him 
in deep and hollow murmurs i swear by the holy trinity to aid and cooperate without relaxation in the things belonging to the holy them to defend its doctrines and institutions against father and mother brother and sister wife and children against fire water earth and air against all that the sun enlightens against all that the dew moistens against all created things of heaven and earth or the waters under the earth and i swear to give information to this holy judicature of all that i know to be true or here repeated by credible testimony by which the rules of the holy them is deserving of animadversion or punishment and that i will not cloak cover or conceal such my knowledge neither for love friendship or family affection nor for gold silver or precious stones neither will i associate with such as are under the sentence of this sacred tribunal by hinting to a culprit his danger or advising him to escape or aiding and supplying him with counsel or means to that effect neither will i relieve such culprit with fire clothes food or shelter though my father should require from me a cup of water in the heat of summer noon or my brother should request to sit by my fire in the bitterest cold night of winter and further i vow and promise to honour this holy association and do its behests speedily faithfully and firmly in preference to those of any other tribunal whatsoever so help me god and his holy evangelists when this oath of office had been taken the president addressing the assembly as men who judge in secret and punish in secret like the deity desired them to say why this child of the cord lay before them bound and helpless an individual rose from the more remote bench and in a voice which though altered and agitated philipson conceived that he recognized declared himself the accuser as bound by his oath of the child of the cord or prisoner who lay before them bring forward the prisoner said the president duly secured as is the order of our secret law but not with such severity as may interrupt his attention to the proceedings of the tribunal or limit his power of hearing and replying six of the assistants immediately dragged forward the pallet and platform of boards on which philipson lay and advanced it towards the foot of the altar this done each unsheathed his dagger while two of them unloosed the cords by which the merchant's hands were secured and admonished him in a whisper that the slightest attempt to resist or escape would be the signal to stab him dead arise said the president listen to the charge to be preferred against you and believe you shall in us find judges equally just and inflexible philipson carefully avoiding any gesture 
which might indicate a desire to escape raised his body on the lower part of the couch and remained seated clothed as he was in his undervest and calisones or drawers so as exactly to face the muffled president of the terrible court even in these agitating circumstances the mind of the undaunted englishman remained unshaken and his eyelid did not quiver nor his heart beat quicker though he seemed according to the expression of scripture to be a pilgrim in the valley of the shadow of death beset by numerous snares and encompassed by total darkness where light was most necessary for safety the president demanded his name country and occupation john philipson was the reply by birth an englishman by profession a merchant have you ever borne any other name and profession demanded the judge i have been a soldier and like most others had then a name by which i was known in war what was that name i laid it aside when i resigned my sword and i do not desire again to be known by it moreover i never bore it where your institutions have weight and authority answered the englishman know you before whom you stand continued the judge i may at least guess replied the merchant tell your guess then continued the interrogator say who we are and wherefore are you before us i believe that i am before the unknown or secret tribunal which is called vem gericht then you are aware answered the judge that you would be safer if you were suspended by the hair over the abyss of schaffhausen or if you lay below an axe which a thread of silk alone kept back from the fall what have you done to deserve such a fate let those reply by whom i am subjected to it answered philipson with the same composure as before speak accuser said the president to the four quarters of heaven to the ears of the free judges of this tribunal and the faithful executors of their doom and to the face of the child of the cord who denies or conceals his guilt make good the substance of thine accusation most dreaded answered the accuser addressing the president this man hath entered the sacred territory which is called the red land a stranger under a disguised name and profession when he was yet on the eastern side of the alps at turin in lombardy and elsewhere he at various times spoke of the holy tribunal in terms of hatred and contempt and declared that were he duke of burgundy he would not permit it to extend itself from westphalia or swabia into his dominions also i charge him that nourishing this malevolent intention against the holy tribunal he who now appears before the bench as child of the court has intimated his intention to wait upon the court of the duke of burgundy and use his influence with him which he boasts will prove effectual to stir him up to prohibit the meetings of the holy them 
in his dominions and to inflict on their officers and the executors of their mandates the punishment due to robbers and assassins this is a heavy charge brother said the president of the assembly when the accuser ceased speaking how do you propose to make it good according to the tenor of those secret statutes the perusal of which is prohibited to all but the initiated answered the accuser it is well said the president but i ask thee once more what are those means of proof you speak to holy and to initiated ears i will prove my charge said the accuser by the confession of the party himself and by my own oath upon the holy emblems of the secret judgment that is the steel and the cord it is a legitimate offer of proof said a member of the aristocratic bench of the assembly and it much concerns the safety of the system to which we are bound by such deep oaths a system handed down to us from the most christian and holy roman emperor charlemagne for the conversion of the heathen saracens and punishing such of them as revolted again to their pagan practices that such criminals should be looked to this duke charles of burgundy hath already crowded his army with foreigners whom he can easily employ against this sacred court more especially with english a fierce insular people wedded to their own usages and hating those of every other nation it is not unknown to us that the duke hath already encouraged opposition to the officials of the tribunal in more than one part of his german dominions and that in consequence instead of submitting to their doom with reverent resignation children of the cord have been found bold enough to resist the executioners of the vem striking wounding and even slaying those who have received commission to put them to death this contumacy must be put an end to and if the accused shall be proved to be one of those by whom such doctrines are harbored and inculcated i say let the steel and cord do their work on him a general murmur seemed to approve what the speaker had said for all were conscious that the power of the tribunal depended much more on the opinion of its being deeply and firmly rooted in the general system than upon any regard or esteem for an institution of which all felt the severity it followed that those of the members who enjoyed consequence by means of their station in the ranks of the vem saw the necessity of supporting its terrors by occasional examples of severe punishment and none could be more readily sacrificed than an unknown and wandering foreigner all this rushed upon philipson's mind but did not prevent his making a steady reply to the accusation gentlemen he said good citizens burgesses 
or by whatever other name you please to be addressed know that in my former days i have stood in as great peril as now and have never turned my heel to save my life cords and daggers are not calculated to strike terror into those who have seen swords and lances my answer to the accusation is that i am an englishman one of a nation accustomed to yield and to receive open-handed and equal justice dealt forth in the broad light of day i am however a traveller who knows that he has no right to oppose the rules and laws of other nations because they do not resemble those of his own but this caution can only be called for in lands where the system about which we converse is in full force and operation if we speak of the institutions of germany being at the time in france or spain we may without offence to the country in which they are current dispute concerning them as students debate upon a logical thesis in a university the accuser objects to me that at turin or elsewhere in the north of italy i spoke with censure of the institution under which i am now judged i will not deny that i remember something of the kind but it was in consequence of the question being in a manner forced upon me by two guests with whom i chanced to find myself at table i was much and earnestly solicited for an opinion ere i gave one and was that opinion said the presiding judge favourable or otherwise to the holy and secret vam garrick let truth rule your tongue remember life is short judgment is eternal i would not save my life at the expense of a falsehood my opinion was unfavourable and i expressed myself thus no laws or judicial proceedings can be just or commendable which exist and operate by means of a secret combination i said that justice could only live and exist in the open air and that when she ceased to be public she degenerated into revenge and hatred i said that a system of which your own jurists have said non frauder a frauder non hospice a hospit tutus was too much adverse to the laws of nature to be connected with or regulated by those of religion these words were scarcely uttered when there burst a murmur from the judges highly unfavourable to the prisoner he blasphemes the holy vem let his mouth be closed for ever hear me said the englishman as you will one day wish to be yourselves heard i say such were my sentiments and so i expressed them i say also i had a right to express these opinions whether sound or erroneous in a neutral country where this tribunal neither did nor could claim any jurisdiction my sentiments are still the same i would avow them if that sword were at my bosom 
or that cord around my throat but i deny that i have ever spoken against the institutions of your vem in a country where it had its course as a national mode of justice far more strongly if possible do i denounce the absurdity of the falsehood which represents me a wandering foreigner as commissioned to traffic with the duke of burgundy about such high matters or to form a conspiracy for the destruction of a system to which so many seem warmly attached i never said such a thing and i never thought it accuser said the presiding judge thou hast heard the accused what is thy reply the first part of the charge said the accuser he hath confessed in this high presence namely that his foul tongue hath basely slandered our holy mysteries for which he deserves that it should be torn out of his throat i myself on my oath of office will aver as use and law is that the rest of the accusation namely that which taxes him as having entered into machinations for the destruction of the vemic institutions is as true as those which he has found himself unable to deny in justice said the englishman the accusation if not made good by satisfactory proof ought to be left to the oath of the party accused instead of permitting the accuser to establish by his own deposition the defects in his own charge stranger replied the presiding judge we permit to thy ignorance a longer and more full defence than consists with our usual forms know that the right of sitting among these venerable judges confers on the person of him who enjoys it a sacredness of character which ordinary men cannot attain to the oath of one of the initiated must counterbalance the most solemn asseveration of every one that is not acquainted with our holy secrets in the vemic court all must be vemic the averment of the emperor he being uninitiated would not have so much weight in our councils as that of one of the meanest of these officials the affirmation of the accuser can only be rebutted by the oath of a member of the same tribunal being of superior rank then god be gracious to me for i have no trust save in heaven said the englishman in solemn accents yet i will not fall without an effort i call upon thee thyself dark spirit who presidest in this most deadly assembly i call upon thyself to declare on thy faith and honour whether thou holdest me guilty of what is thus boldly averred by this false calumniator i call upon thee by thy sacred character by the name of hold replied the presiding judge the name by which we are known in open air must not be pronounced in this subterranean judgment seat he then proceeded to address the prisoner and the assembly i being called on in evidence declare that the charge against thee 
is so far true as it is acknowledged by thyself namely that thou hast in other lands than the red soil spoken lightly of this holy institution of justice but i believe in my soul and will bear witness on my honour that the rest of the accusation is incredible and false and this i swear holding my hand on the dagger and the cord what is your judgment my brethren upon the case which you have investigated a member of the first seated and highest class amongst the judges muffled like the rest but the tone of whose voice and the stoop of whose person announced him to be more advanced in years than the other two who had before spoken arose with difficulty and said with a trembling voice the child of the cord who is before us has been convicted of folly and rashness in slandering our holy institution but he spoke his folly to ears which had never heard our sacred laws he has therefore been acquitted by irrefragable testimony of combining for the impotent purpose of undermining our power or stirring up princes against our holy association for which death were too light a punishment he hath been foolish then but not criminal and as the holy laws of the vem bear no penalty save that of death i propose for judgment that the child of the cord be restored without injury to society and to the upper world having been first duly admonished of his errors child of the cord said the presiding judge thou hast heard thy sentence of acquittal but as thou desirest to sleep in an unbloody grave let me warn thee that the secrets of this night shall remain with thee as a secret not to be communicated to father nor mother to spouse son or daughter neither to be spoken aloud nor whispered to be told in words or written in characters to be carved or to be painted or to be otherwise communicated either directly or by parable and emblem obey this behest and thy life is in surety let thy heart then rejoice within thee but let it rejoice with trembling never more let thy vanity persuade thee that thou art secure from the servants and judges of the holy them though a thousand leagues lie between thee and the red land and thou speakest in that where our power is not known though thou shouldst be sheltered by thy native island and defended by thy kindred ocean yet even there i warn thee to cross thyself when thou dost so much as think of the holy and invisible tribunal and to retain thy thoughts within thine own bosom for the avenger may be beside thee and thou mayest die in thy folly go hence be wise and let the fear of the holy them never pass from before thine eyes at the concluding words all the lights were at once extinguished with a hissing noise philipson felt once more the grasp of the hands of the officials to which he resigned himself 
as the safest course he was gently prostrated on his pallet-bed and transported back to the place from which he had been advanced to the foot of the altar the cordage was again applied to the platform and philipson was sensible that his couch rose with him for a few moments until a slight shock apprised him that he was again brought to a level with the floor of the chamber in which he had been lodged on the preceding night or rather morning he pondered over the events that had passed in which he was sensible that he owed heaven thanks for a great deliverance fatigue at length prevailed over anxiety and he fell into a deep and profound sleep from which he was only awakened by returning light he resolved on an instant departure from so dangerous a spot and without seeing any one of the household but the old ostler pursued his journey to strasburg and reached that city without further accident End of chapter two